Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down the newly named Cognizant Classic for 2024. Um, this is replacing what was formerly known as the Honda Classic, which was one of the long-running sponsors on the PGA Tour, so it's kind of weird that they just ended what was a long-term relationship. But anyway, we've now got the Cognizant Classic still being played um, the same time of year at the same course as the old Honda Classic. So this is going to be basically the Honda Classic 2024, just renamed to the Cognizant Classic. Anyway, whatever your game is, we have you covered here in this preview. This is an all-encompassing preview, so whether you are playing DFS, whether you are betting, whether you're playing one and done, or whether you're playing more of the niche games like Showdown DFS or the Underdog Drafts, we've got you covered here. We are going to break down the course itself, PGA National, and tell you what type of golf and what stats tend to play well here at this event, and then we are going to look at the board and try to identify some golfers that you need to be looking at this week for whatever your game is, DFS, betting, one and done, etc. Also, Worth noting, make sure you are subscribed to the channel on YouTube as well as to the audio feed. That way you'll be notified when new episodes drop because we are very quickly learning the capabilities of live streaming. So um, sooner rather than later, we are going to have some live streams for golf. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel. That way you can know when those start and you can be there when they start. And then, um, you know, you can just have the knowledge of when that's taking place. That way you can hop in the chat, ask questions, you know, just watch whatever it may be. If you're subscribed, you'll know when those live streams start and when they end. Um, and that'll be the way you get access to that. And those are coming sooner rather than later. Don't have any official announcements just yet, but just know that that is in the works. And so if you're subscribed, you'll know when those are taking place. All right, so enough with the introduction here. We've got a lot to dive in here in this episode. These golf episodes, we, we tend to cover a lot of information and not a whole lot of time. So I've kind of filibustered a little bit here during the intro. If you like what you see here at Mike's Money Picks, make sure you hit the like button on YouTube and rate and review the audio. That way, um, you know, it just helps me out a ton, like honestly. Like I really do appreciate it when you guys do that. And I hate doing that at the start of the video, but the evidence is there that when I say it at the start of the video, people are much more likely to actually do it. So there you go. All right, so let's go ahead and dive into the course itself right now. As previously stated, the host course of this event is a PGA National, which is in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, off the east coast of Florida. And this is a long-running host course on the PGA Tour. It is this year going to play as a par 71 and a little over 7,100 yards. Previously, this course had been a par 70, but what they did was they changed hole 10 from a really long, really difficult par four, they moved the tees only 20 yards back and made it a par five. So now instead of being a par four that was really difficult, now it's a par five that is really easy. So I would expect that immediately to make the score to par play a little bit easier. Historically, this has been a very difficult golf course. Um, personally, when, when, you know, th changes like that are made. I personally don't care what the score to par is. Like I, I am not one of those snobs. that's like, you know, it has to be minus 10 or, or worse. Like I just, I don't think that that really adds a whole lot of value. I would rather see good golf shots, whether that results in plenty of birdies or not is, is not the point. I would, I want to see good golf shots. I want to see strategy and, and the winning score is not a point to me. So the fact that they changed that par four to a par five, I don't think that's going to make the course play any different. It's just going to change the winning score to par, which like I said, I don't care about. Now, as I said, this is year in, year out, one of the more difficult courses on the PGA Tour. Last year, the winning score was minus 14, so this year you could expect it to be around minus 17 if everything else stays the same. However, last year was the easiest that the course had ever played. It marked the only year in the last decade where this course was below average in difficulty on the PGA Tour. Reason why? There was not really a whole lot of wind that last year. Like, the wind was very calm, and so guys were able to just kind of go out and execute their shots. Now, 
This course was designed by George Fazio, but it was redone by Jack Nicholas. So there is a stretch known as the Bear Trap on um, holes 15 through 17. It is two par threes and a par four. Um, you will probably see some prop bets on the Bear Trap. They generally play pretty darn difficult. Um, and with it being two par threes and a par four, the total scoring on that hold is a par of 10. And it tends to play much more difficult than that number 10. And it's nicknamed the Bear Trap, obviously, for the Golden Bear, Jack Nicholas. Now, this course is pretty tough. The reason why it is tough is because of the water danger. If you were watching the flyover on YouTube, shout out to um, Golf Stays and Plays who, re who record this great flyover. If you're watching the flyover on YouTube, you can see all the water. It's lurking on 15 out of 18 holes. And there's a lot of dog legs here at this course as well, which is going to force guys to take less than driver. So what ends up happening is this course, even though it says on the scorecard, it's a little over 7,100 yards, it's deceptively longer than that because since guys aren't pulling driver, they're not getting their full distance on their tee shot. And so there's a lot of approaches that run from 150 to 200 yards. So it is is a deceptively long course, much longer than it, or it plays much longer than the number dictates on the scorecard. Now, with there being a lot of water, and normally, you know, being on the coast of Florida, it tends to get a lot of wind as well. There is a lot of variance at this course, which makes it one of the least predictive courses year in and year out on the PGA Tour. There are guys who have won this event who also have terrible finishes and missed cuts here. There are guys who go from having a missed cut here to a top five the next year. It's just not super predictive because of the nature of water hazards and golf scoring. Like last week at the Mexico Open, you could miss the fairway by 20 yards and a lot of holes. It didn't really matter if you missed it by 20 yards or 30 yards. You were still just playing from the rough, right? Or especially at a course like Torrey Pines, you're just in grass no matter how far you miss the fairway. Here at the Honda or the Cognizant Classic, if you miss the fairway by 20 yards, you might be safe, but you miss it by 22 yards. Now, all of a sudden you're in water and you're taking a penalty to hit back from the tee. It's essentially a two shot penalty. So, um, you know, the water creates a lot of variance where, you know, you just hit one or two water balls on Thursday and Friday. And all of a sudden, one of the best golfers in the field might be missing the cut because it's just so much to overcome. And that penalty is just so much. And it can happen on so many holes here at this course. That's why there's a lot of variance. And that is why you you are not going to see a whole lot of six for six lineups this week in DFS. Making the cut is going to be something that you really can't guarantee this week because of the fact that you can just find one or two water bottles and all of a sudden you are in very much danger. Now, what also tends to happen is if you're looking for something that is kind of predictive here at this course, one thing that is true is good putters tend to play well here. And the reason why is because it is difficult conditions. Difficult conditions are going to mean that guys are going to have a lot of five to 10 foot par putts and good putters tend to make those five to 10 foot par putts. So good putters, especially good putters on Bermuda tend to play well here at PGA National. Now, if you are playing showdown DFS or um, drafts on underdog that are single round, you are going to need to monitor the weather. The wind can pick up here. It tends to pick up in the afternoon. So generally speaking, there does tend to be an advantage for the morning wave, but check the weather if you were playing something that is single round. Now, let's go ahead and take a look at our key stats for the week. So for this week here at the PGA National, um, our key stats are going to be um, all kind of predicated on difficult conditions. So I like the good drives gain stat. Um, you know, it's just basically saying, hey, does this guy keep it in play off the tee? Are they putting them in? Are they putting themselves in position to hit greens in regulation? Because that's going to be what you're going to have to do this week. Now, another key stat that I like is distance from edge of fairway. So that is a stat that measures basically 
basically, um, how far does a guy miss the fairway when they do miss it? Because this week, you're not going to want to miss the fairway by very much. The fairways at this course have actually been widened, so a lot of approach shots are going to be from the fairway, but you don't want to miss that fairway by a whole lot or else you could be in water and you could be in water a lot. Strokes gained approach is just generally one of the most important stats week in, week out on the PGA Tour. The best approach players tend to be the best at most events. And for this course, I like all the proximities from 150 to 200 yards. That's where, that's where a lot of course or a lot of holes are going to feature their approach shots from. I also think bogey avoidance is a super big stat. If you get yourself in trouble, are you able to still save par? And what I like about bogey avoidance is it's not necessarily just scrambling or just, you know, putting or anything like that. It's it's all skills, right? So if you have to punch out from a tree, are you able to get up and down from 150 yards in the fairway or something like that? Like, you know, there's just all kinds of skills that go into that bogey avoidance, which are going to be important to succeed here. Um, I do think scrambling is important as well because because like I said, you are going to have those situations where you're going to have to be able to get up and down for par. And then strokes game putting on Bermuda grass is going to be super important also. Like I said, a lot of the best players here tend to be good Bermuda putters. We are now in Bermuda grass season with us heading into the Florida swing on the PGA Tour schedule. We're not getting Poa or past Palm like we have for the last month. And Bermuda is something that as somebody who grows up in or grew up in North Carolina and plays golf in North Carolina, if you play a lot on Bermuda, which a lot of these guys did if they grew up in the southern United States, you tend to get good at it. There's definitely a skill involved with it. I tend to, if I play consecutive rounds on Bermuda, I tend to be better at it as opposed to alternating from Bermuda to bent, Bermuda to bent. Bent is pretty much, in my opinion, the easiest surface to put on. Bermuda is not because there are some intricacies. So guys that are good Bermuda putters tend to continue to be good Bermuda putters. Now, for the comp courses, I think that you can look at the Florida courses here, um, TPC Sawgrass, as well as Copperhead, um, because those are courses that are going to feature a good amount of water damage. They tend to play fairly difficult, and you know some of the same skills are going to apply. Um, and then also, I think a little underrated um, comp is TPC Southwind, which is um, the host of the FedEx St. Jude Championship. Um, that's a course that has a lot of water lurking off the tee. You end up with a decent amount of long approaches there as well, and you really have to stay out of trouble because that course tends to play pretty difficult also. Now, when you look historically here at this course, Last year, looking at the leaderboard, we did have a win by Chris Kirk. Where the guys at the top gained their strokes was pretty much on approach. It's very hard to gain strokes off the tee here at this course because, you know, so many people are laying up and so many people are, you know, just putting themselves in terrible positions off the tee. So it tends to be difficult to gain off the tee, but approach is really where you can separate yourself. Pretty much the entire top 10 gain strokes on approach except for Tyler Duncan. And if you're not going to gain strokes on approach, you better gain strokes around the green and with the putter. Most of the top 10 gain strokes putting, Shane Lowry and Justin Suh, as well as David Lingmurth were able to come in the top 10 while losing strokes putting. And then around the green, most guys just kind of treaded water around the green. You didn't really see anybody in the top 10 bleed strokes around the green. So that tends to be pretty evident with what we were talking about where you want to be an elite approach player and you want to be good enough to get up and down when you need to get up and down and make those birdie putts when you need to make those birdie putts. Now, in terms of course history, the best guys who have been here, um, you know, year in and year out, um, 
you know, like I said, this is not a very predictive course, but if you look at the course history tool on datagolf.com, the best players are all guys who just have played here once because they don't have any bad rounds to bring them down. That's, you know, Eric Cole with a runner up last year, Ben Taylor and Justin Sutter at the top of this board because they were in the top five last year at this event. So the first guy who's played this event five times that pops up is Seb Straka. He has a win um, as well as a missed cut and also another top five finish. Daniel Berger, the last two times he has played in this event, has finished fourth. He should have won this event back in 2022, but that's another story. Ben on Russell Henley, Lee Hodges, Justin Rose, Shane Lowry, Sam Ryder, Ricky Fowler, and Sung J.M. all are the next kind of top tier of course history here at this course. Now we're going to go ahead and take a quick breather and then we're going to dive down a rabbit hole. Now, some of you guys that were here for the show last week know that when I say go down a rabbit hole, I mean it quite literally because betspurtsgolf.com has a site now called The Rabbit Hole where they have all kinds of stats and filters that, that you can find. And I think it is probably the best data site I have used. And I have used like all of the big ones because you can really tinker with it and find the exact combination of stats that you need for a particular event. And there's all kinds of sample size that you can use, all kinds of filters that you can make. And, and I just think it's really good for, um, you know, figuring out what actually matters here at these courses. So um, to start off, you know, I'm just going to kind of go for a few stats here that, you know, guys jumped off the page. So on the rabbit hole, I did use a filter to filter out Florida courses only for the last three years. So the guys who have played the best in the state of Florida in the last three years, have been Matt Fitzpatrick and Daniel Berger with a tie for first, followed by Corey Connors, Chris Kirk, Shane Lowry, Sung J.M., Rory McIlroy, Justin Sutt, Davis Riley, and Russell Henley rounding out the top 10. Next up, we have um, strokes gained, water danger high. So how do guys play at courses where there is a ton of water danger lurking? Well, off the tee, the top 10 is Rory McIlroy, Cam Young, Sung J.M., Keith Mitchell, Luke List, Vincent Norman, Hayden Buckley, Corey Connors, Cam Champ, Surprised to see that one there. And then Matt Fitzpatrick rounding out the top 10. But strokes gained approach, you get a much different list. It is Shane Lowry 1, still Rory McIlroy 2, Russell Henley 3, Adam Svensson 4, along with Tom Hoagie, Adam Shank 6, Eric Cole, David Lipsky, Jake Knapp, and Daniel Berger rounding out the top 10 for the strokes gained water damage. Next up, let's look at just off the tee when it comes to good drive percentage. So the top leaders in good drives here in this field are Ryan Moore, Akshay Batia, Nick Lindheim, Doug Gim, Russell Henley, Carson Young, Richard Hoey, Tom Kim, Kevin Yu, and Tyler Duncan. After that, we have got, um, hold on, I was meant to, I meant to close this one out. Hold on. There we go. Next up, we've got um, the approach distances that I mentioned earlier, where um, we've got from the fairway, 150 to 175. The best players in the field over the last two years have been Matthew Pavone, Nick Lindheim, Chandler Phillips, Ryan Moore, Akshay Batia, Carl Yuan, David Skins, Tom Hoagie, Lucas Glover, and Mark Hubbard. You change that distance to 175 to 200, which is also a crucial range. And you've got Braden Shatuck, who has a very small sample size, as well as McClure Meissner, Robert Garrigus, who... Um, not exactly guys who have um, super good resumes other than that. And then after that, it's Jake Knapp, Taylor Penrith, Rio Hisatsune, Tom Hoagie, Parker Cootie, Austin Ekro, and Cameron Young. Now we're going to kind of go tee to green right here. So 
Now we're gonna look at just difficult conditions to gain strokes off the tee and on approach. Top five off the tee are McElroy, M. Woodland, Sam Stevens, Corey Connors, and um, Cameron Young finishing sixth. And then the same deal approach would be Adams Fenson, Justin Rose, Ricky Fowler, Chris John Bezadenhut, and Chesson Hadley as the top five with Shane Lowry coming in sixth. Now, moving closer to around the green, guys who are good at scrambling in average to difficult conditions. We've got Alejandro Tosti, Joe Highsmith, Chase Johnson, Matt Fitzpatrick, and Rio Hisatsune as the top five. Then for strokes gain putting on just Bermuda grass. These are the Bermuda putting specialists. You're going to want some of these guys in your lineup. It is Taylor Montgomery, Mad McNeely, Eric Cole, Ben Griffin, and Harry Hall as the top five, followed by Rory McIlroy, Ben Taylor, Justin Rose, Ryohi Satsune, and Lanto Griffin rounding out the top 10. Interestingly enough, I feel like Ben Taylor and Ryohi Satsune are popping up a decent amount for guys who are very affordable in DraftKings this week. Now, I did go ahead and create a custom model based off of all these stats. This is just my first first run of the model. Um, I'm going to be tinkering with this for the next two days and to get it to a point where I really like it. Um, and I will be posting my final top 10 from my model to my Patreon. So if you want to know who actually comes out in the final model, um, subscribe to the Patreon and you can get that on the Wednesday article. Now, the top 10 for this model on my first Monday run are Roy McElroy at number one, no surprise there. Shane Lowry at two, not really a surprise there. Adam Svensson, three, Eric Cole, four. Matt Fitzpatrick, five. My first golfer from the 6K range on DraftKings is Tower Duncan at 6, Cam Young 7, Dylan Wu 8, Sungjae M 9, and Corey Connors 10 with Russell Henley and Chris Kirk just on the outside looking in. The first 5K DraftKings golfer that I had pop up was Ben Martin at number 15. So um, just interesting enough there that you know the rabbit hole does allow you to do all those stats. I absolutely love it. I'm a big fan of this tool um, and cannot recommend it enough. So now that we have looked at all the stats, all the models, all the extra stuff, Let's go ahead and take a look at the board and see how we can build a DFS lineup or a betting card this week. All right, so let's have a little DFS-specific chat for just a second. So DraftKings has brought back the same pricing model that they used for the Mexico Open last week, where the top golfer, in this case Rory McIlroy, is over $12,000 in salary, and the bare minimum salary is $5,000. So I think that this new pricing model creates a lot of options and a lot of variance in lineups. I think what DraftKings is trying to do is to eliminate the low to mid-tier high-owned golfer. Like in the old pricing, um, and I say old like it wasn't just three weeks ago, but you would tend to see a lot of guys in the low 7K range get a lot of ownership just because that was the easiest range where you could put multiple guys in and make your lineups work. And so I think by spreading out the pricing, they're trying to eliminate that. Now, from a game theory perspective, I think you can absolutely play Rory McIlroy this week. You know, there were a lot of people last week that took strong stands on fading Tony Finau. And it kind of worked, but it also kind of didn't because Tony Finau came in 12th place, right? If you played him, that would not be technically getting your full money's worth. However, there were a ton of guys near the top of the board, Thomas Dietrich, Taylor Pendrith, who missed the cut entirely and gave you nothing. So to me, if the highest priced guy makes the cut and there's some guys that are right below him that missed the cut, it still becomes well worth it to play that guy. And so I think with a guy like Rory McIlroy, with like Tony Finau last week, I think you're paying for the floor for that salary 
knowing darn well that their ceiling is still the best golfer in the field also. So I think that I will, much like with Tony Finau last week, I think that I will still be playing a lot of Rory McIlroy this week. Now, the bad news with Rory is that he has not played this event in five years. However, he does have a win at this event. At the Genesis, he really started out slow, but he kind of figured it out over the weekend and came in 24th. Look, he had just not really been great in America. His, you know, his first start at Pebble Beach was a T66 in a signature event, which was just bad. But, you know, he kind of righted the ship at the Genesis. And Rory, I think, is he wants to win the Masters. Let's just call a spade a spade. And so I think he's playing in this event along with others before the Masters. So that way he can really get his game right and get in position to win at Augusta National. And... Of course, if he's coming in motivated, he's the most talented golfer in the field. I think you can absolutely play Roy McIlroy in DFS. I think the number from an outright betting perspective is absolutely terrible. I would I would not be interested in betting him as an outright better. But in DFS, I think you can absolutely play him even at the highest salary because I think he is a lot safer than a lot of these other guys. There is some serious concerns around the golfers in the 10K range on DraftKings. Cam Young has been pretty good with an eighth at Phoenix and a 16th at the Genesis, but is this really a course that lines up pretty well for Cameron Young? You know, he historically can spray the driver a little bit. He historically uses the driver to gain a lot of his strokes, and he's not great with the putter on Bermuda, and he's also not exactly the most even-keeled golfer in the world, shall we say. So I don't know how he's going to deal with playing a difficult test like this where you can get unlucky, you can have bad breaks. So I just... I don't know. I don't think it's the best course fit for Cameron Young, but I do think that in terms of pure talent, he's priced in the right spot. Matt Fitzpatrick is a guy that I will take a stand on. I will not be playing much Matt Fitzpatrick this week. When you look at what he's done recently from a strokes game perspective, he just has not been able to put multiple aspects of his game together at once. It Phoenix was his best performance of the calendar year, and even then, he lost slightly on approach and used his a lot of his short game to kind of finish it off. At the Genesis, he missed the cut, and he was terrible off the tee and terrible with the putter. This course is not a get-right spot. This is a difficult track with a lot of danger lurking, and if you do not come correct, it is going to chew you up and spit you out, and I do not trust the recent form of Matt Fitzpatrick at a salary of $10,600 on DraftKings. Now, I do like Russell Henley and Tom Kim. I think Russell Henley is straight up overpriced on DraftKings. Tom Kim, I'm just such a believer in his talent long term. He is at his best when he's putting on Bermuda. He is a great long approach player as well. So while this is his first time to this event, I think he checks a lot of boxes and I'm going to be playing a lot of Tom Kim this week. And I think that even with how the salaries shape up, I think there's enough value in the five and six K range that I can even pair Rory McIlroy and Tom Kim and still create a halfway competent lineup in the back end. Now, the 9K range have a lot of guys that are going to be super highly owned this week. And I think that if you're not going to play Rory McIlroy, I think you might be benefited just to drop all the way to Tom Kim or to the 9K range and try to get two or even three of these guys into your lineup, knowing that there's plenty of ways that you can backfill it. Eric Cole is probably going to be the most popular one out of all of them. He was the runner-up here at this event last year, and if I'm being honest after watching it, 
he probably should have won it. If I remember correctly, he had about like a six foot putt on 18 that would have won it and he just missed it. And so um, he ended up going to the playoff with Chris Kirk and Chris Kirk beat him on the first playoff hole. But Eric Kirk, you know, played, or Eric Cole, excuse me, played well at the Genesis with a T10 at a course that I didn't really think exactly fit his game. And this course, judging by the fact that he's come in second there, he's a great long approach player. He's a great Bermuda putter. This course does fit his game. I think Eric Cole is going to be very popular this week, but it's going to be for good reason. Sung J.M. is a former champion of this event. J.T. Poston is one of the steadiest iron players on the planet. Nothing wrong with either of them two this week if you want to play them, as well as Chris Kirk, who is the defending champ of this event. Min Woo Lee, I do have concerns about, though. Like with Tom Kim, I'm a big-time believer in his talent long-term. I did a lot of best ball drafts on Underdog where I got Min Woo Lee just because I'm a believer in how talented this guy is, and I want to be a believer in the whole let him cook movement, but... He's not cooking with his irons right now. He has not gained strokes with his irons in a measured event since the Irish Open back in last September. For reference, I have a almost six-month-old daughter now. She was five days old the last time Min Woo Lee gained strokes with his driver. So to me, that is it, or gained strokes with his irons. Um, he always gained strokes with the driver. So to me, that is a serious concern because at this course, you are going to have to be good with the irons if you want to succeed. Last year, he finished 26 at this event, was great off the tee, great with the putter, terrible with everything in between. So that is not super duper encouraging in my opinion. And I'm probably going to be waiting on Minwoo Lee this week. It just my personal thoughts based off of what I've seen. Now, a guy that I do like a lot is big Shane Lowry. And it is unknown if there are a lot of Irish pubs in Palm Beach Gardens that, that you can see Shane Lowry at. I do know when the Wyndham comes to Greensboro, I know exactly where Shane Lowry goes. Anyway, that's beside the point. So um, Shane Lowry is a guy that, generally speaking, is a well-rounded golfer, great at major championships, great in difficult conditions, because he's pretty good with his long irons and he's really good around the greens. Where he tends to oscillate is with the putter, but he's at his best putting on Bermuda. And so when he you know, combines his well-rounded tee to green game with his Bermuda putting, that's when you get good finishes, like the last two years at this event where he finished second and fifth. In the year he finished second, arguably he could have won it. He came to the 18T and then all of a sudden there was just like this downpour. And so instead of, you know, birding to make the playoff, I believe he ended up parring or bogeying that hole and just, you know, came in second. And last year he actually came in fifth, losing over a stroke putting for the week. So um, definitely like where his game is at. Definitely like how his game fits the course. Shane Lowry is one of my favorite plays this week. And I will also be playing Daniel Berger this week. So Daniel Berger, after returning from injury, has played three events, and it has been up and down, to say the least, with a 39th at the American Express, a missed cut at the Farmers, and 28th in Phoenix. But the irons have been great two out of three weeks. Off the tee has been above average all three weeks. It's just been his around-the-green play that has been poor. He has lost over two strokes in all, or well, not at the American Express. He lost two strokes at the Farmers and two strokes at uh, Phoenix uh, around the green. Um, forgot that waste, uh, American Express was only three measured rounds. And so he has not been great around the green, but everything else has been okay. But you look at his history at this event, and he generally gained strokes in every category at this event. He's finished fourth each of the last two times that he played it. And I just think that it's a great course fit for him. And I think that his game is in a decent spot. If he can just figure out how to chip, which is kind of one of the easier things to fix, especially at a course that you know pretty well. Now, after Daniel Berger, Keith Mitchell is a former winner of this event. Corey Connors is a very steady iron player who really stays out of trouble off the tee. He rates really well in distance from edge of fairway, as does Russell Henley. 
So that would be some appeal in playing Corey Connors. Denny McCarthy, we've talked about time and time again. He's one of the best putters of the golf ball in the world. Anytime you get a guy with a discernible skill like that that shows up at every course they play, you got to like him in DFS. Steven Yeager, though, is a guy that I'm going to be on a lot this week. So, you know, if you look at his last three events, third at the Farmers, 71st at Pebble, and third at Mexico. Think about what those three events differ at, right? Farmers in Mexico, he came in third. Those events feature a lot of long approaches. Pebble does not. And this is another event that is going to feature a lot of long approaches. And so I hope that he's going to be able to bring that long approach game back that he had with him in Mexico. And last year at this event, he brought it with him as well. He gained all about three strokes on approach for the tournament and then gave two of it right back combined putting and around the green still for a finish of 14th. So um, if he can just fix his chipping and putting, he absolutely has the upside to win this event. I really like Steven Yeager and I hope that a lot of people are going to sleep on him coming in third as opposed to a win in his last event. Sepp Straka is a guy who has played this event probably better than nobody else um, in the field um, over a long sample size. You know, he won this event in 2022, came in fifth last year. Just great course history here. And you look at his recent form, I'm not concerned about it as like a lot of people would be because it is three not great finishes in a row, but it's all been with the putter and it's all on Poa greens. And these are not Poa greens. These are Bermuda greens that he's very used to and very good at putting on. So Seb Straka is a guy that I'm absolutely going to be going to this week. All right, let's take a quick breather and then let's talk about some DFS and betting value plays. And then we're going to close it out with talking one and done. Before we finish up the board with the value plays, I do want to mention there are a few places where you can get more information from me. First off, you can find me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. I'll tweet out any updates for the show, and I'm more than happy to answer any questions you might have for me on Twitter. Um, and then I'm also in the Fantasy Corner Discord. Link is in the description on the YouTube video as well as on the audio feed. Fantasy Corner Discord, we've got a lot of smart people in there who play DFS for a lot of different sports, and golf is one of them. Um, and so there's generally pretty good discussion in there. I'm more than happy to talk plays, lineup, strategy, whatever. Um, and if you play DFS for other sports, then the Fantasy Corner Discord is the place for you. We've had a lot of people who've had a lot of success in NBA, college basketball, MLB, and more. At, you know, As the calendar turns, pretty much we got every sport covered in the Fantasy Corner Discord. And then if you want to actually know who makes my lineups, who makes the cut for the, my last model that I run, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. I will give you a uh, article every week profiling my core plays as well as my general lineup strategy. And I also do this for every college basketball DFS slate as well. So um, you get the golf and the college basketball right now if you go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. All right, so now... Let's go ahead and take a look at the rest of this board. So um, Jake Knapp, you know, winner at Mexico, but if you watch the final round, he was really shaky off the tee, missing his drives by a lot. I don't think that this course is necessarily the best spot for his skill set, and I'm going to be willing to pass on Jake Knapp this week. Bo Hostler is kind of the same way. Like, he has been really good recently, but the thing is with Bo is he does tend to have a big miss with that driver, and this is not a place where you can have that. So um, Bo is probably another one that I'm, I'm really confident about his recent form. I'm, I'm really happy with how the season's going for him, but I'll get back on him in another course that's a better fit for his game. Luke List has also been playing really well recently, but if you go look at the stats, it's pretty much been all with the putter, and it's been all on Poa Greens, so, um, you know, with transitioning to Bermuda and his ball striking hasn't been on point, I don't know how that is going to bode well for him when he's traditionally not a good putter. A guy at the bottom of the 8K range that I do like, though, is Alex Norin, so he has just played some really steady golf recently. Um, you know, at Phoenix, he had everything going except for the approach play, but if you look at before that, he was pretty much gaining strokes in every category for every event, or either if he wasn't gaining, he was 
close to neutral. And then you look at his history at this event, he owns a third place finisher back in 2018 and a fifth place finisher back in 2022. So he's playing good golf. He has the course history and he's a guy who tends to play better at difficult golf courses. So Alex Noren is a guy I can definitely get behind. Now heading on down into the 7k range, Justin Rose has great history at this event, but it was like a decade ago. Um, he's a, a guy that, you know, kind of like Shane Lowry, plays his best at difficult golf courses, great short game, great iron play. So I have no problem going with Justin Rose. A guy in the 7K range that showed up in my model is Adam Svensson. And it did not surprise me to see him there. Like he kind of plays his best at these courses that have a lot of water hazards, which um, you look at what he's done recently, it hasn't necessarily been those type of courses, but his approach play has been pretty much elite for the last um, six months. And then his, his putter that's just been letting him down, but it's been on these POA greens. And now he's moving to Bermuda where he has won tournaments with Bermuda greens before he did have success earlier in the um, fall and summer where he was putting on Bermuda greens. Last three years, he has played this event, or I'm sorry, two of the last three years he's played this event. Um, and in 2022, he finished in ninth place where he lost about five strokes putting for the tournament. And last year he flipped the putting around, but the off the tee and approach play was not as good. So if he could just bring his recent iron play with the putting that he had at this event back in, uh, or back last year, I think this can be a really good spot for Adam Svensson. And I was happy to see him pop up on my model. Now coming down the rest of the seven K range, if you are an approach play truther, I have a guy for you, and that is Christian Bezaydenut. So in the last five events, that's this calendar year, he has gained at least four strokes on approach in every single event that he has played. Now, the results have oscillated a little bit because his around the green and off the tee play has not been very consistent, but long-term, he's a good around the green player. He is very good at difficult golf courses, and so I really like this spot for Christian Bezaydenut and think that if he can continue with that approach play, he's going to be just fine this week. If you look at what he's done here the last two years, too, he was was terrible on approach back in 2022 and still finished in 25th place. Given how the good the rest of his game was that week, I would assume it was maybe a few water balls that, that led to that approach number being so bad. And then last year, he lost two strokes around the green for the event and still came in 42nd place. So I think Christian Bizet noted if he brings his recent approach play, he's going to be in great shape here this week. Now, looking down the rest of the board, um, Lucas Glover kind of fits the bill for a guy who just kind of plods along, does his best at difficult golf courses. I would have no problem going with Lucas Glover. Maverick McNeely, I think it's time to, you know, put the rest to injury concerns. You know, back-to-back -back starts, he's been 6th and 13th. He's done pretty much every aspect of his game has been solid in those two starts. I'd have no problem going back to him. And Billy Horschel, even 7K, is, you know, a great Florida player. He, he plays really good in the state of Florida. Um, he's another guy whose approach play tends to be on point. Would have no problem going with him. And then, you know, in the upper 6K, you've got Akshay Bhatia, who I play every week just because I'm a believer in his talent. Ben Griffin is a great Bermuda putter. Justin Suh is a great Bermuda putter, even though his recent form isn't all that great. But a guy who checks off like all the boxes for me is Doug Gim. Doug Gim's coming in three straight events of 13th, 12th, and 8th, where he has gained strokes in all four categories in two of those events. And the one category he didn't gain in was he lost half a stroke total for the event putting in Mexico on past Palom Greens, which is not going to be what he sees this week. He's been great off the tee, great on approach, and he's been pretty good in the state of Florida in his career as well. He has a few good finishes at the Players' Championship, even though at this event, he has missed the cutoff 
three times. But if you look at the numbers, it's been because he can't putt at this event. But he's been pretty good with the putter recently, and he's been pretty good at other Florida courses. So if he brings the approach play that he's had the last three weeks, I don't think he's going to need the putter to be as good as, you know, like it doesn't have to be perfect if you're putting it to five feet every time. And at the price tag, I think he's a severe misprice, and I think he's going to be very popular on DraftKings this week. Now, the next guy that I do like, is going to be way down the board, but I do think there's two guys in the mid 6K range that I love this week, and that is Robert McIntyre and Lee Hodges. Robert McIntyre surged over the weekend for a T6 in Mexico, and he is a guy that long term is a good long approach player and is good at difficult golf courses. Checks two boxes that I wanted this week. He's been great at major championships in his career, kind of like deceptively good at them, and that's kind of a trait that I want this week because this course does play difficult like a major championship does. Lee Hodges is another guy who is at his best at long and difficult golf courses. If you need evidence of that, look at his T24 at the Genesis just a few weeks ago. So um, definitely a guy that I'm going to be in on has made the cut in each of the last two years here as well. But if you look way down the board, heading to the 5K range on DraftKings. Um, before we get there, there is one guy in the 6K range that I do like, and that is Dylan Wu. Um, played well here last year, T24 at Mexico. Generally a pretty good approach player, generally pretty good at difficult courses. At the bottom of the 6K range, I think he is the class of that range. But in the 5K range on DraftKings, my guy is not Sam Ryder, who I think is going to be a little chalky because of his recent form and his history this event. It's not going to be Nate Lashley, who is a pretty good long approach player, or Harry Hall, who's a pretty good long approach player. My guy in the 5K range this week is Andrew Novak. And to me, look at what he's done recently. He's coming in off back-to-back eighth-place finishes where he has gained um, about five strokes or more on approach in each of the last two events. And he lost um, about four strokes total putting in Mexico. And that's past pollen greens. We're not going to see those past pollen greens this week. So if he brings the TD green game that he's had each of the last two weeks, he should do just fine here at this event, which he was good here last year. He gained over five strokes putting at this event last year and finished 29th. It was his approach playing off the tee play that were not so hot, but he's totally fixed that and turned those two around this year. So I have really high hopes for Andrew Novak. If he can marry his historical putting at this event with his recent form TD green, Andrew Novak, I think is the best play in that new 5k range here on DraftKings this week. All right, let's take a quick breather and then let's talk about one and done. All right, so let's end things up here by talking about one and done strategy. So truth be told, this has not been a good one and done season for me in both our private one and done that we have um, here for the show, um, as well as a public one that I joined. I am not yet over a million dollars total for one and dones, which is not great. It's not where you want to be. However, it is a long season. I have not used a lot of the big guns yet, and there are plenty of signature events left to get a lot of cash. Now, this week is not the week to use a golfer near the very top of the board, in my opinion. We talked about how volatile this week is and how the best golfers in the field and the guys who have the best history here can still show up and miss a cut, which is like the kiss of death in one and done. If you pick a really um, highly ranked golfer and have them miss the cut in an event like this, because this isn't even a signature event. So there isn't even as much money up for grabs at this event as if you play somebody down the road at like a signature event or a major and they miss the cut. So Sorry, Rory. Sorry, Fitzpatrick. Definitely not playing you two guys this week. 
I've already used Cam Young and some of my one and nuns. I would not use him this week. I would feel okay to use Tom Kim, even though I do think there are better spots down the road for him. Um, the Wyndham Championship being one where he has won in the past. Um, but I would have no problem using Tom Kim this week. Sepp Straka, I think, is going to be the popular one and done choice this week, as well as Chris Kirk, um, because those two guys are previous champions here at this event. So I would have no problem playing either of those two guys. Um, Russell Henley, I, I think, could also be pretty popular this week as well. He's a guy that you don't really feel like you need to save for any other event. And, um, you know, th this is kind of like his jam. Like he's been decent at courses like this. He doesn't miss the fairway a whole lot. Sung J.M. and Eric Cole make sense on paper for plays this weekend one and done as well. Um, both have pretty good history here. Sung Jay has won this event in the past. Eric Cole um, was runner up last year. But here's the thing with those two guys. Sung Jay and Eric Cole play almost every week on the PGA Tour. And there is due to be an event down the road that is a field of absolute jabronis where those two guys, one of them, is probably going to be the favorite to win the event. So do you want to play them at an event like this where, yes, they have good course history, but they're like the... 15th favorite down the board, or do you want to try to wait and catch them on a week where hopefully they're one of the top two or three guys on the board in that event? So I think that that's an interesting strategy discussion to be had when it comes to Sungjae and Eric Cole. Um, and with this being a very volatile week, I have no problem going a ways down the board this week. I really do like Shane Lowry in one and duns. Um, I'd be comfortable playing Sebez in one and duns. I'd be comfortable playing Adam Svensson. I'd be comfortable playing Alex Norin or Lee Hodges or Robert McIntyre or even Keith Mitchell. Um, I just think there's a lot of options this week with this being a pretty volatile event. I, I think you can really go outside the box this week. So who am I going to go with for this one and done that we've been picking here on the show? Well, I am going to go ahead and um, I am going to roll the dice on Adam Svensson. Um, I feel really confident in his approach play coming in. He popped up well on the model for me, um, and I really don't want to burn one of the top guys and have them miss a cut here this week. So I'm going to think a little bit outside the box, and I'm going to go with Adam Svensson as my one and done choice for the one that I've been picking here on the show. And again, I picked the public one here on the show, um, so that way like everybody that is in my private one and done doesn't just see who I'm picking and, and look to box me out. So um, yeah, that's how, if, if, in case anybody was wondering, I did have somebody ask me that, like, hey, like, how come you're... It doesn't always match the one from the private one and done. Well, um, because I can't just give away, um, you know, a 20 person one and done where most of the people watch um, the show. So, yeah, so that's that. Anyway, that does it for this episode here, guys. We have broken down the Cognizant Classic in any format of game that you might need, whether you're playing DFS, whether you're betting, whether you're playing one and done. We broke down the course. We broke down the field. And hopefully we were able to give you guys plenty of information that you can use to pick out some winners this week, whether you're playing DFS, betting, one and done, drafts, showdown DFS, whatever. Hopefully gave you guys what you needed to pick some winners this week. If you like what you saw in the video, please hit the like button. Or if you're listening on audio, please rate and review. I promise those really do help me out a ton and I really do appreciate it. It does not fall on deaf ears. Now, while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to the channel and subscribe to the audio feed. That way you can be notified when new episodes drop. Like I said, we're going to have some live streaming content coming soon. So if you're subscribed, you will know when those are and you'll be able to get in on them. Um, and it will be in addition to this weekly preview show. I'm not going to diss the, the, week, the weekly preview. I'm just going to be a live stream in addition to this preview. So Anyway, that does it for this episode, guys. Um, thank you guys for joining me. Hopefully, um, gave you guys what you needed to pick some winners this week. Um, best of luck to you this week at the Condensate Classic, and we will be back here next week for Bay Hill, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, one of the best tournaments year in, year out on the PGA Tour. So thank you guys for watching and listening to this point. Best of luck to you this week, and I will see you next time.